The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We gather for ordered worship to illumine the, the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather to worship Almighty God. The liturgy, music, and homily this day are offered for our congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection in forms of leadership and service in our midst. And as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Upon this Lord's Day, we celebrate particularly the international students, their faith and faithfulness in our midst through selections in music, choices in liturgy, and the pronouncement of the gospel through the fine voice of our university chaplain for international students, Ms. Jessica Chica. John Wesley famously said, the world is my parish. So today we say to you, bonjour, buenos dias, Ohio, guten tag. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice to be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And even now, while we are placed among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those that shall endure. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Each week as our choir sings, we gain a little bit more growth in the language of compunction, confession, lament, contrition. We know in our personal discourse both the absence and the presence of an apology made. We know in our public discourse both the absence and the presence of an apology made. Like the resurrection itself, these matters are known both in presence and in absence. As the choir sings with us, may we consider in the week past those such moments, both of presence and of absence. Let us pray. So we do remember the words written by the student of St. Paul who penned Colossians chapter 3. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Even as God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus, you also must learn to forgive one another. Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 to 13. 
爱不可虚伪，恶要厌恶，善要持守，要以手足之爱彼此相亲，用恭敬的心互相礼让，殷勤不可懒惰，心灵要火热，常常服侍主，在盼望中要喜乐，在患难中要坚忍，祷告要恒切，圣徒有缺乏的就要接济，客旅。Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 50 responsibly with the antiphon. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and does not keep silence, before whom is a devouring fire, round about whom is a mighty tempest. God calls to the heavens above and to the earth, that the people may be judged. Gather to me, my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice, the heavens and their God's righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house, or goats from your folds. For every wild animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. Please rise as you are able for the reading the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 14, verses 15 to 24. Glory to you, O Lord. Y oyendo esto, uno de los que juntamente estaba sentado a la mesa le dijo, Bienaventurado al que comerá pan en el reino de los cielos. Él entonces le dijo, Un hombre hizo una grande cena, y convidó a muchos. Y a la hora de la cena envió a su siervo a decir a los convidados, Venid, ya que todo está aparejado. 
Y comenzaron todos a uno a excusarse. El primero le dijo, he comprado una hacienda y necesito salir y verla. Te ruego que me des por excusado. Y el otro dijo, he comprado cinco yuntas de bueyes y voy a probarlos. Ruegote que me des por excusado. Y el otro dijo, acabo de casarme y por tanto no puedo ir. Y vuelto el siervo, hizo saber estas cosas a su señor. Entonces enojado el padre de la familia, dijo a su siervo, ve presto por las plazas y por las calles de la ciudad y meta acá a los pobres, los mancos y cojos y ciegos. Y dijo el siervo, señor, hecho es como mandaste. Y aún hay lugar. Y dijo el Señor al siervo, ve por los caminos y por los vallados, y fuérzalos a entrar, para que se llene mi casa. Porque os digo que ninguno de aquellos hombres que fueron llamados gustará mi cena. One of the dinner guests, on hearing this, said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, He sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have brought a piece of land, and I must go out to see it. Please accept my apologies. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to try them out. Please accept my apologies. Another said, I have just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, and there's still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lou, Lord Christ. Please be seated. An invitation. Who? You. What? This sermon? When? Right now until? Question mark. <laughs> Approximately 20 minutes. <laughs> Where 735 Commonwealth Avenue, Boston, WBUR 90.9 FM, WBUR.org, or our podcast. Why? Well, to hear the word of God in a new way with insightful commentary and explanation, or so I hope. RSVP by staying in the pew, not changing the radio station, or not skipping over the sermon while listening to the podcast later. Invitations are all around us. I was invited to this pulpit today by our Dean Hill, asked to reflect on the word in light of our international student population here at BU. Thank you, Dean Hill, for your invitation. In turn, I invited others. Three of our participants in the service are students here at BU. Eleanor Yan, who read the passage from Romans in Mandarin and English, Moises Rodriguez, who read the gospel in Spanish and English, and soon after this sermon ends, Sanghee Lee Lim, who will read our prayers of the people in Korean and English. I am thankful for their acceptance of my invitation, as well as the help of the Reverend Soren Hessler, an extension of those invitations. 
Thanks to each of you for your help and participation today. And then, of course, there is the invitation that we extend each and every week to all of you who are here or listening from far away. We invite you to be a part of our worshiping community, to hear the word of God, to engage in prayer, to meditate on the musical offerings, to occasionally partake in the Eucharist, and most importantly, to worship God. My role here at Marsh Chapel is to serve as the university chaplain for international students. Generally, when people find out that, they ask what my job entails. What is a chaplain for international students anyway? What do you do? Well, my answer has typically been I provide support for our international student population through pastoral care. I create opportunities for engagement, for fellowship, and learning among our international and domestic student populations. I help plan worship services and worship opportunities like today, and I work with our interfaith and various faith student groups on campus. But mostly, I have the honor and pleasure of learning about and experiencing the various cultures and tradition present on this campus and creating spaces for students to learn, explore, and be in community with one another. In short, my job rocks. At the beginning of a school year, I would say that about 80% of a university chaplain or a campus minister's time is spent around the idea of invitation. Issuing invitations to students to come to worship and events, being ourselves invited to beginning of the year receptions and gathering, gatherings, not to mention running the actual events and gatherings themselves. Here at Marsh Chapel, we've hosted plenty of events and fellowship opportunities in the last week, meeting new students and welcoming back returning students, joining them in fellowship over food, in discussion about faith, and giving space for clarity and mindfulness, presenting them with open opportunities to interact through art and opportunities to worship together. Our whole ministry staff team has put in hours of dedicated service to the community oftentimes by simply being present for a specific amount of time in a specific place. We've invited folks over the internet, over the radio, and via flyers and listings on the BU calendar. But perhaps one of our most effective ways of invitation is simply by just being visible to others and enthusiastically welcoming them to join in our activity. You heard a bit about this last week when the dean recounted our greening of the dorms activity out on the BU beach. During this event, we stood out on the green lawn behind Marsh Chapel with small pots, paints, brushes, dirt, and seeds, inviting students to personalize their pottery and take home, a, take home the planted seeds that will hopefully grow into delicious basil. What Dean Hill didn't tell you was some of our invitation techniques. These included shouting, hi, do you want to paint a pot? Or do you want some basil to take home? Or, and I think this may have been Brother Larry's favorite tactic, wildly gesticulating at passers-by that they should join us by making large waving motions. <laughs> the tactic worked, and most people, once they figured out who, <laughs> what was going on and what we were doing, were enthusiastic about participating and conversing with us and all the others who had gathered around. But not every interaction needs to be so lively. For example, Reverend Soren Hessler and Jen Quigley weekly offer Common Ground Communion on Thursdays. And by every Thursday, I mean every Thursday, regardless of temperature or meteorological conditions outside, they extend their invitations to passersby rather simply. 
through a sign that reads, Common Ground Communion, Thursdays, 12.20 p.m., Marsh Plaza. All are welcome. Having substituted for them once and also from hearing firsthand accounts from both Soren and Jen, mostly you get a lot of stares, but usually there are a few who stop and take, to take and eat. Through their simple sign, they attract people and have even created a small community of regulars. As an expression of hospitality, invitation is the way we let others know that they are welcome into our space to share in a moment with us, whether significant or not. Invitation takes on many forms. The formal invitation printed on cardstock delivered through the mail, the evite, an electronic invitation sent via email, the Facebook event invite, which is basically what it sounds like, the informal invitation, which can be done in person, over the phone, or via text message. All of these forms of invitation require that the host extend the invitation, although not all require the same level of response. There are rules about invitation. Who gets invited? When we invite them? How we expect to find out who is coming? For more formal affairs, invitations are exclusionary. Only close friends or family or important people are invited to such an event. These events generally require that the attendees are notified far in advance and that they send their response in enough time for the host to prepare for them. At the other, other end of the spectrum, we have the public event. Those opportunities which are open to any person who happens to be in the area and which may or may not require response from the attendees. These events might occur at a moment's notice and bring together a disparate group of people for one purpose, for example, a protest or a flash mob. While formal events still occur, for which people generally follow the rules of etiquette regarding invitations, such as weddings and galas, our society has tended toward looser definitions of invitations and RSVPs with the advent of social media and texting. When was the last time you received an invitation on paper to something? I'm willing to bet for many of you it was to a wedding, which has remain steady in the execution of formally extending an, an invitation, although even now, that may not always be the case. Technology makes it easy for us to be wishy-washy in our responses. It gives us the chance to say maybe, rather than yes or no to an event, or to choose to say that we are interested in an event without committing to going. And believe me, there is nothing more frustrating frustrating than seeing seven goings and 40 intersteds on a Facebook invitation. What does that mean? How much food should I make? <laughs> it brings to mind a campus ministry colleague's posting earlier this semester. Hmm, should I order three pizzas or 12 pizzas for tonight's event? You just never know, do you? Or about the first meeting of Global Dinner Club this semester, where we had about as about twice as many attendees as I was expecting, necessitating a last-minute run to the grocery store to pick up extra supplies. Ministry involves opening the door for community, but much of the time you're never quite sure who's going to show up. Today's gospel revolves around an invitation and, and the accompanying customs of the time. The parable Jesus tells is in the midst of attending a banquet, a carryover from the beginning of chapter 14 in Luke. Perhaps this is why this particular parable is left out of our lectionary offerings. This is actually not a lectionary reading. It's too similar to the opening of chapter 14. 
This parable, like the one at the beginning of the chapter, also focuses on banquet etiquette, but does so in framing the story around a specific event rather than proclaiming general etiquette rules about where you should sit at a banquet and why. More specifically, the emphasis in the parable is on the responses the host receives from those whom he had invited first. Luke goes into detail explaining each of their excuses, framing them as the focus of this ethical tale. The first invitees, like the hosts, presumably have money and are at the same social level. They also presumably initially responded yes to the host's invitation when he issued it. But upon being prepared to receive the guest, the host is confronted with a barrage of lame excuses as to why they can't come. The first two respondents are too concerned with their material possessions that they cannot attend. The first needing to survey the land that he just bought, and the second needing to try out the oxen that he just purchased. It's similar to having a friend, having invited a friend to a dinner party, having them agree that they will be there weeks ahead of time, and then texting you two hours before to say, I just picked up my new iPhone 7, I really need to test it out, I'm sorry. And then there's the third response, which really gives no reason why. It just says, I got married. I can't come. Maybe you've been in the position of hosting a party or an event only to have a significant portion of the people make excuses for why they can't come at the last minute. Perhaps you understand why the host in this story becomes angered because of this. Or alternatively, we've all been in the position of making an excuse at the last minute of, to, to get out of going to an affair that we've known about for a while. In justifying our behavior, we may assume that everyone else will follow through with their yeses, so us not showing up won't have any impact on anybody else. But if everyone cancels at the last minute, the host is left without guests, and the event fails. The men who fail to, appoint, to show up at the appointed time in the story may feel that they had no need of what was being offered at the banquet, uh, food and community, and therefore remain unaffected and somewhat unrepentant in their excuses. What the host does next teaches us about the radical hospitality of God. Instead of trying to find more friends who might be able to attend, the host instead instructs his servant to invite the lowest of the low to the banquet, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Does he do this out of spite for his friends that turned him down? Perhaps. But the host's actions may also be out of recognizing who really needs and would benefit from such a banquet. Those who are hungry or left out from the rest of society would not turn down an invitation such as this. Or even if these new invitees have second thoughts about attending, the host tells his servant to compel them to come, to fill his house with people, and in turn to exclude those who initially turned away his invitation. We could understand this story eschatologically, signifying the great banquet in the kingdom of God and who or who will not be invited. It suggests that God's invitation to the great banquet is available to all, but individuals must agree to accept it. In Lutheran or Methodist terms, that the grace of God is extended to all, but that we should not be distracted by other obligations or material gain in recognizing it. And this is an important reading of the gospel for all Christians. We also need to recognize how this parable teaches us an ethical lesson in addition to the theological points it brings forth. I think another way to look at this story is to see the situation as an example in present reality which is meant to teach 
the people Jesus is dining with and the audience Luke is writing for about proper Christian hospitality toward others. We are included in that audience. Christian hospitality requires both the host and those invited to be open to one another. Extending this form of hospitality is mutually beneficial for both guest and host. It calls us to form community through our invitation, rather than only to acquire material goods. Even if material goods, such as the food in the story, may be needed by those who attend, the feeling of being connected to others and being considered a part of the community becomes what is ultimately important. In some ways, the Eucharist serves a similar function for us. It is the time when we all come together to share in a meal regardless of background or status and anticipates the great banquet that will occur in the kingdom of heaven. God's invitation and the Christian notion of hospitality ask us to take on a radical form of egalitarianism, placing all on the same level. In welcoming the stranger, as Paul instructs in his letter to the church in Rome, and welcoming those from all walks of life, as the gospel presents through Jesus' parable, Christian hosts dismantle the levels of power which may otherwise exist. By extending an invitation to the stranger, we come to know the stranger as a person and care for them as part of our community. We learn from the stranger and become fuller human human beings. At the same time, we are invited by God and by Jesus to rest and seek peace in them. To live as a Christian is to be both host to others as well as guest in the presence of God. What we do here at at Marsh Chapel is try to model this form of hospitality. Our stated mission is to be a heart for the heart of the city and a service in the service of the city. Our context, in an area of the United States with the highest number of people self-described as nuns, that's N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S, those having no religious belief, according to the Pew Research Center, We are also in the middle of a university setting where young people begin to question the traditions they learned at home and become more skeptical. We exist in a complex matrix of belief systems enriched by multiple perspectives from around the globe. And despite these challenges, we send out an open invitation to all. We, as a community of faith, are happy to meet people where they are. We attempt to embody this openness in a place that can sometimes feel resistant and cold to hospitality. To the lost and the lonely, we offer a place to be oneself and to find others. We model Christ's teachings. We learn from our sisters and brothers from other faith traditions. We welcome all, whether believer, questioner, or none. We form community, give grounding, a sense of place, and facilitate growth personally, spiritually, emotionally, vocationally, and communally. We invite our students to claim Boston as a home away from home where they can grow and learn from people and perspectives from many places around the world. We accept the invitations of others to learn and develop in our understanding of the world, as as, as well as expand our relationships within the BU community, in the city of Boston, regionally, nationally, and globally. We do all these things not for our own sake, but because of the higher cause that we serve, 
For as Dietrich Bonhoeffer stated in his writings while he was imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp, the church is the church only when it exists for others, not dominating but helping and serving. It must tell people of every calling what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. How will we as a community issue an invitation to the world today? Will we accept an invitation from others, from God? Will we be committed to the yes that we give or instead be maybes or intersteds who prioritize other pursuits at the last minute? The decision is ours to make. An ever-present invitation waits for us. How will we respond? Amen.
now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. Holy God, King of Kings, we love you, Lord. 이 아름다운 주일 아침에 주님만 주실 수 있는 힘입어 이렇게 국제학생 주일을 맞이해 예배를 드릴 수 있도록 해주시니 감사합니다. 새로운 학기를 맞이하여 대학 캠퍼스의 북적임과 함께 주님의 역사를 함께 체험하는 학생 공동체가 될수 있도록 주님께서 은혜 내려 주시옵소서. 학업에 충실하고 진리만을 추구하고 하나님께 영광을 돌리기 소원하는 보스턴 대학 될수 있도록 우리의 주여 이 기도를 들어주시옵소서. On this beautiful Sunday morning, we thank you for your grace that has led us to celebrate this International Student Sunday. With the start of the new academic year, help us to practice mindfulness of your presence and work even as the campus begins to buzz with new life. May we become a student body that experiences the workings of your grace and mercy that is renewed every day. Allow us, Lord, to become those who run the good race, who do not shirk our duties in the search of excellence and truth. And may we become a Boston University that brings glory to your name, O gracious Father. 하지만 주님, 이 즐거운 아침에도 우리의 마음이 무거울 수밖에 없음을 고백합니다. 인류의 죄가 하늘을 찌르고 부정적인 정치, 사회적인 타락, 세속적인 풍습 그리고 주님을 버린 이 세상을 돌아보며 회개할 수밖에 없음을 용서하시옵소서 또한 자비로우신 주님 세상 방방곡곡에서 주님의 자유를 부르짖고 복음을 선포하며 바울사도처럼 목숨을 재단에 바치는 그 이들을 주님께서 기억하시고 위로해 주시옵소서 또한 우리도 이 정의로운 사역의 물질적인 방법과 기도 사역을 통해 동참할 수 있도록 붙들어 주시옵소서 and yet, Lord, even on this joyful morn, we cannot but confess that our hearts are heavy. We repent, O God, for we are struck with grief at a world so filled with corrupt politics, social injustices, and a secular worldview that holds our own gain as the foremost goal. We have forgotten the beauty of your gospel. Even so, there are those in every corner of the world that pour out their lives on the altar of sacrifice, even as the Apostle Paul did, in their cries for justice and the gospel. Remember them, O merciful God, and may we too participate in this ministry with mindful giving and prayerful intercession. 주님, 보이지 않는 곳에서 수고하는 이들을 위해 기도합니다. 
고난이 있고 슬픔이 있고 죄악의 모습이 가득한 그곳들에서 그리스도의 자취를 따르는 그 이들을 기억합니다 그리고 주님 이 고난 가운데서 슬픔 가운데서 괴로워하는 자들을 주님께 바치오니 자비의 하나님 사랑의 하나님 이 부족한 우리의 기도를 들으사 위로자, 위로자 되시고 길루아세 향유가 되주시옵소서 Lord, we remember those in the unseen places. We remember those who toil wherever they may be suffering, where there may be grief, and wherever evil seems to have the upper hand. We remember those who toil in such places to reach out to the hidden, just as Christ did. Gracious God, we pray for your healing and presence. Furthermore, for those ailing, suffering, and lost, you who hear even our faintest cries, pour out your balm of Gilead, I pray. 주님, 새로운 학기가 시작하고 보스턴 대학이라는 거대한 기관이 다시 한번 움직이기 시작합니다. 학업과 연구의 자리에서 땀 흘리고 수고하는 이 모든 이들에게 주님께서 허락하시는 지혜와 통찰력을 간구하오니 우리의 기도를 들으시고 응답해 주시옵소서. 또한 주님, 인간 능력과 지혜의 가장자리에서 수고하는 우리이지만 아니 그런 곳에서 수고하기에 주여 우리에게 세상이 이해할 수 없는 겸손함과 평안을 허락해 주시옵소서. 이 학기, 이 새로운 해, 이 모든 것들을 주님께 맡겨드립니다. 주님 받으시고 주권을 나타내 주시옵소서. Lord, as the new semester begins, our historic institution of Boston University begins once more to move. Grant your wisdom and insight to those who strive in our academic and research settings. Hear our prayers and answer them, O Lord. Moreover, Lord, even though we work at the very edges of human knowledge, nay, Lord, because we work at the very edges of human ability and knowledge, Grant us a humility and peace that can only come from you. We lift up this new semester, this new year. Indeed, Lord, we lift up all that we are to you. Accept it, O King, and show your majesty in us. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, we are so bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. 
We have a few invitations this morning, and I will attempt not to injure anyone with my apparently signature wild gesticulations of invitation. Uh, our first invitation is that you uh, participate in our ritual of friendship this morning by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. During the final hymn this morning, we invite children in the chapel congregation to join Mr. Devin Harvin in the narthex and to head downstairs for a moment of children's education. The rest of you are invited to join us downstairs following the postlude for a moment of fellowship and food. That begins the first installment of this week's Marsh Chapel dining plan, which continues tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. with community dinner in the Marsh Room. Come enjoy paella. And then uh, uh, Global Dinner Club will be at 6 p.m. on, Tuesdays in the Thur- on Tuesday in the Thurman Room. Uh, BU United Methodist Fellowship gathers at 5.30 on Wednesday uh, with a meal and fellowship as well. And then uh, Common Ground Communion on Thursday at 12.20 p.m. Come enjoy the bread of life and the cup of salvation. We note that Religion on Tap, our graduate student fellowship, begins tomorrow evening at 7.30 p.m. at the BU Pub, and that Spiritual Life Yoga is at, in Robinson Chapel downstairs at 4.45 p.m. on Thursday. Here for a special announcement from the music department, my friend and colleague, Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett. Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you back and to give you my personal welcomes for the start of the year. I have three uh, three announcements. We have a bunch of new people in the Marsh Chapel Choir. If you're new to the Chapel Choir, would you please stand? Look at these wonderful people. Let's welcome them. It's always, uh, always fun to welcome new members to the choir and to get going with the first couple of Sundays. Uh, we had a wonderful rehearsal this morning. We're off to a good start. Welcome, guys. Um, if you would like to join the Marsh Chapel Choir, you still can. The auditions are on Thursday night at 6 o'clock, and you should write us at musicmar at bu.edu to learn more information about that. There's another choir that begins right after service this morning called the Thurman Choir. It's a non-auditioned group, and many of you are members of that ensemble It's sort of our parish choir at Marsh Chapel, and if you would like to join in singing, we meet downstairs after the service, get your coffee in the good Methodist tradition, and then join us in the Robinson Chapel at 12.30 for the first Thurman Choir rehearsal. You can find out more information about that from us downstairs as well. And lastly, my third announcement has to do with the start of our, I think it's our 10th annual Bach Experience, which begins next Sunday here in the nave Uh, The Bach Experience Lecture with the instruments begins at 9.45, and then uh, we have breakfast together, and then, of course, cantata uh, sung and performed in liturgical context in the 11 o'clock worship service. That's next Sunday, September 25th at 9.45 and 11 a.m., and the piece is cantata 7, Christ Came Over the River Jordan. It's a Bach's depiction of the baptism of Christ. Hope you'll join us for the 10th year of looking at Bach cantatas together. Thank you, Brother Larry. Thank you, Scott. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to continue to bathe in the radical hospitality of the ministry of Marsh Chapel by meditating on Henry William Baker's Hymn of Peace set by Alastair Coleman. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Gracious God, we give thanks for your presence in our lives, and we ask that you pour out your blessings on these offerings, that you would use them in us to continue to transform this world. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. <laughs> 